0: all right it is first and moose connor taylor mark schoenster for u92 the moose quite the weekend sunday night football ended up ended up not being the game that anyone expected i would say i mean it's the first time brady has been swept by a divisional opponent it took the bucks six drives to get a first down i mean is there anything positive from, from the Bucks' point of view here, or is it just a complete negative game?
1: Yeah, this is one I feel like you know, it's tough to decide between whether you just want to scrap this game or if you want to really granularly pick it apart inch by inch because it just, they got dominated. And it was not good for Tampa Bay at all at home. It was a huge game. We, we talked, we hyped it up yesterday because of all the implications that came into it. And you come in and you break the NFL record for least amount of rushing attempts in an NFL football game. And you score three points. Like that's, that's astonishing. And, you get absolutely flattened by your division rivals in a huge playoff implications matchup on Sunday Night Football. It was it was very weird, and you know it. Kudos to the Saints, I, I would say. for For the Buccaneers, I think you have to you have to be critical about this game because you don't want to let this happen again. But I think you chalk it up to it was just the Saints' night because. Much like how y'all dominated the Packers a couple weeks ago, it wasn't really the Packers game. It was now your turn to really just have an off day and get exposed by another good team. And the Saints, they came in guns a-blazing. And, you know, that really turned some heads, I think, and could really change the narrative of the NFC moving forward given the sort of, hey, we're still here uh, kind of performance last night by the Saints. Yeah, it was really. I feel like the only dominant win by the Saints this year, and I yeah. honestly,
0: going into this game, I don't think anyone was excited about the Saints whatsoever. It's like, okay, I guess they'll make the playoffs and do okay. But I feel like mm. this has brought some excitement back to the Saints because before this game, I mean, I wasn't really excited about them whatsoever.
1: Yeah, we've been pretty, we've been pretty negative about New Orleans despite their record throughout this season, and they really, really showed up here today. And I feel like it's got to be a sigh of relief for other NFC teams
0: because for a couple weeks stretch, maybe close to a month now, the bucks I don't want to say looked flawless, but looked like the uh, most complete team from the NFC and kind of looked like the the front runner in the NFC. But now I would say that's got to be a sigh of relief that you realize, Hey, they have a, their their flaws. They have flaws as well. And I think there's, four teams that can win the NFC right now which I think there's not as many in the AFC. I think you got Seahawks, Saints, Packers and Bucks can all win the NFC and they all have flaws. So honestly, yeah. I I'm not even sure if I have no clue who to pick at this point.
1: Yeah. You know, I think the big thing with the Buccaneers was the idea that yeah, all of these teams aren't perfect, but there was something scary about Tampa Bay and the way they played. The way they played seemed to just throw other teams off their game. The, the Packers game, for example, really just made them not look like a good football team. That front seven was, was ruthless. Tom Brady was clinical. And it just made teams completely fall out of form and, and wreck, wreck their uh, performance. And I think that was really terrifying to think about uh, going up against a Tampa Bay team like that in the playoffs. But then we watched a team go in and get not rattled at all and pick them apart. Like that was really huge uh, to this NFC race because it really makes things interesting, especially with the Seahawks losing yesterday, that that race for that number one seed is going to be scary going down the wire. These, these are teams that are, all gonna be watching each other very closely these uh last few weeks of the season which is crazy to think about we're already in november yeah know, we're talking about this like that's crazy time flies um but it, it what happened yesterday made the nfc as a whole wide open and the afc i think broke open yesterday as well but not as much as the nfc did and it all starts with even though technically it was the last game that happened it all starts with the Buccaneers getting blown out by New Orleans and and really there being an emphatic no there is not a dominant team in the NFC because think about it the Buccaneers blew out the Packers the Packers handily beat the Saints and then the Saints blew out the Buccaneers so here here we are in this circle and then there's the Seahawks too and so it's it's crazy to think about where this is gonna go and I don't really know who to pick at this point in time. I think uh, December may be a helpful indication uh, as we watch these teams have other big games, but all in all, I'm, I'm enthused. This is exciting to think about and exciting to to look forward to because these are all competitive teams with competitive quarterbacks. Mind you think about it, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and, uh, Russell Wilson like come on what what else could you ask for like this is awesome I think
0: it might be fun coming down because it honestly these these games in the playoffs might come down to quarterback play and what Mm -hmm. quarterback plays better which is going to be extremely exciting and it's just it's a weird year and we don't have a dominant team in the NFC right now and I guess we'll see if one ends up taking that leap but as of right now there there's not one but We can jump to the AFC. I I wanted to talk – well, you you watched it closely, the the Colts-Ravens game, and I wanted to hear your your takeaways from this game.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, talk about a tale of two halves. I mean, I know I've said that before about games, but this one was – it was huge. And maybe not in the ways people would expect, though. First off, I talked about the linebacker matchup with Lamar Jackson. In the first half, Colts dominated that. Darius Leonard, Bobby Okereke, uh, they read Lamar Jackson perfectly, and they shut him down. That was the best half of defense by, Colts, by the Colts I've ever watched. They completely locked down on that Ravens offense and make them look useless. And then on top of that, the defensive line was fast enough to chase him down and wrap him up at times that most defensive linemen have been shaked by Lamar Jackson in the past. And really, for the most part, render Lamar Jackson's run game useless throughout the entirety of the game. It wasn't until other things start clicking for the Ravens that they could start then shaking it up and throwing in some uh, Lamar Jackson runs. Um, So the Colts are one and nine. We're one and nine going into this game since T. Y. Hilton's been on the team and he doesn't play. So ever since we drafted T.Y. Hilton, we're one and nine without him. And he was not playing today, which means we're one and ten. But this was different because it didn't seem like T. Y. Hilton was missing. There was a lot of schemed plays, a lot of good wide receiver play from the Colts, especially in the first half, of course. It's really uh, it's a different team now. We used to rely a lot on TY Hilton in every game to draw coverages and to make big plays on third down. This isn't that team anymore. They are not a T.Y. Hilton reliant team in the second half, because obviously that's where a lot of, you know, a lot of the story comes in. The Colts offensive line struggled against guys like Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe in the second half. Philip Rivers could not get much time. Um, Baltimore switched they on offense because nothing was working. So they switched to a gameplay style where Lamar Jackson was taking the ball and getting it out of his hands immediately. They were doing quick passes, short passes, a lot of them to the tight ends. And it resulted in the Colts linebacking core being stuck in a bit of a limbo where either A, they would have to drop back and cover those linebackers, or B, they pressured and tried to stop Lamar Jackson. The issue was is that Lamar Jackson read the linebackers really well and when they decided to drop back, he'd run the ball. And when they decided to try to stop him, he'd then dip it off to Mark Andrews again. So that was good tactical work by the Ravens to turn that around. And Lamar Jackson was really sharp in the second half. He, he was very poised. He made the right decision just about every time he had the ball in his hands. And then, uh, okay, I got to talk about this. There are two plays, and I, I still believe the Colts – lost this game but there are two calls by the referees that were pretty critical the first one was a missed helmet to helmet hit on Jack Doyle on a third down which would have extended a Colts drive in the second half and the Colts barely saw the field in the second half on offense credit to the Ravens defense for forcing a lot of three and outs but that would have extended a drive given the Colts defense some time to breathe and maybe put some points on the board in the second half the Colts didn't get any so that was a missed call but then that interception did you see it I did not No, you did not. So there was a call. So the, to start the second half, Lamar Jackson drove all the way down the field, got to the goal line and then DeForest Buckner forced a fumble, giving the ball back to the Colts. It was huge. We were still up 10 seven the very next play, Philip Rivers threw a deep ball down the right sideline. And for a second, it looked like Marcus Peters had picked it off. He got his hands on it. He took a step or two back and then Marcus Johnson punched the ball out of his hands and the ball fell to the ground, and it was called incomplete. The Ravens challenged the play, and they overturned the call to say it was an interception. For anyone who hasn't seen it, it is the most confounding call that I've seen. And I, I feel like it doesn't make sense with the catch rules that are in place. He did not catch the ball. He had the ball in his hands, for, and they say he's established control for the first two steps. But the ball then broke up. He didn't even reach the ground yet, and the ball had come out. So I don't understand how the referees interpreted this as an interception. And that really hurt in this game because that meant the Colts pretty much only had one play in the entire third quarter because then the Ravens got the ball and scored. And, and I'm thinking about it on another perspective. They called it a catch and fumble, which then the Ravens picked up but they blew the play dead. Marcus Johnson was right there. If it had been if the play had gone on called as if it were an interception, he could have very easily just scooped the ball and then that would have been a 40-yard gain for the Colts. Like the play was blown dead so he didn't make a make a dive for the ball. So it was just a confounding thing by the referees and and I mean, I'm not trying to sound like a homer here. No, I I actually just went and watched it. And it's bad. It's bad. You're not being it's, a homer Yeah, whatsoever. I'm not it's, trying it's, to it's be a, a homer call. here. It doesn't make... And what really, really, like, I can't wrap my head around is the fact that they overturned it. Like, that was reviewed. They went back, looked at it, and said, yeah, that's an interception, fumble, recovery. And I just... Uh, that blows my mind. But w- w- now that I can get that that complaining aside, the Colts' offense was flat in the second half. Phillip Rivers missed some deep balls. They struggled to get anything going and they didn't respond when the Ravens started clicking on offense and that's huge because then it really threw the defense under the bus and the defense even made some plays in the fourth quarter the third quarter they just kind of got cut through but then adjustments were made and the defense had some stops in the fourth quarter to give the offense some more opportunities and Philip Rivers and the offense couldn't capitalize off of it so We'll see if this is just a bad day for the Colts. We've talked about their brutal schedule already. We have the Titans on Thursday night football coming up. Really need to respond in that game. But for the Ravens, kudos to their defense for stepping up in the second half. And kudos to John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson for making adjustments at halftime where they were dominated in the first half. And they responded very well and they took advantage of the opportunity given to them. And even if. Uh, I, I don't know if the momentum of the game changes if that isn't called, but I can't say that I could blame the rest for this loss given the fact that the Colts didn't respond after that. They looked flat for the rest of the game. So
0: I, I just caught glimpses of the game, and a play I did see was the Jonathan Taylor fumble. Yeah, the fumble. Was that like a game-changing? It seemed, You guys were up. It seems like you guys were doing well. Was that yes. something, or do you think it doesn't matter as much compared to that interception?
1: I think that fumble was huge because the Colts looked like they were going to go drive and score again. And it would have been 14-0 and instead it was 7-7. So I think that is a huge thing. And it also resulted in Frank Reich not playing Taylor for a while in this game as sort of a punishment. I felt like it was a little brutal of a punishment because it was really a great play by the Ravens because he was going down. He really had the ball secure and he just got a really good hand in there and punched it out. So uh, at first I was like, oh no, like, is this going to change the tide? But I felt the bigger deal was the fact that after we forced the fumble on, on the goal line, stopping the Ravens from scoring out the gate in the first second half. And then that interception happening, which was an underthrown ball by Phillip rivers, not a good ball, but still should not have been an interception. I think really that was the backbreaker because after the defense made a big play and, and said, all right, offense, go get them. The offense turned around and gave it right back. And the defense was like, Oh, come on. Like we just got worn down by them. and. Then he let him score, and then the offense goes three and out, and then it just rolled downhill from there. I think the interception was the bigger deal, but the fumble was definitely huge because we may not have ever even gotten to that scenario in the second half should the Colts have shut out the Ravens entirely in the first half.
0: And a little bit of a, I guess, a progress report on Jonathan Taylor. His biggest, I say, I think his biggest flaw going into the NFL was his fumbling. I mean, Mm -hmm. has that been an issue since you've been watching him much? No.
1: This is really the first time it's been an issue. Um, The Colts running back coach, Tom Rathman, is huge on ball security. So the moment Jonathan Taylor was drafted, he even acknowledged the fact that he was excited to work with Rathman because Rathman would work on his ball security. And it hasn't been an issue. I don't actually remember Jonathan Taylor fumbling before this. So I again, which is why, again, I really attribute this more to the Ravens making a play more than this was Jonathan Taylor making a mis- like making a bad mistake. He, he, he was not careless with the ball. So all in all though, disappointed as a Colts fan, but I think this is a loss that you got to take on the cheek and then just keep going forward. Cause you don't have a lot of time to wallow on this one.
0: Definitely not a lot of time whatsoever. And the next game are, are two bright looking futures, for their teams and two bright young quarterbacks in the Dolphins and Cardinals. Yeah. And the game before we get into the game though, I actually, I, I ranked my, my top five young, exciting quarterbacks, not best, but like exciting. And I want to hear if you think, if you have any uh, disagreements, uh, I'll start with five and it's, it's two years or less. So like that takes out Patrick, Mahomes and people mm-hmm. like that uh, takes out Baker. I don't think he'd be in the top five, but mm-hmm. Um, Drew Lock's number five for okay. me, and I've got two at four. I think he can rise, but I've just I can't put him up there yet. Three yeah, for me yet. is Joe Burrow. I actually have Justin Herbert above Joe Burrow at number two, and then Kyler Murray.
1: Is there anything I mean, you can't yeah. argue with that? You can't argue with Kyler Murray number one. He is such an exciting playmaker all the time, and yeah, I, I agree with that. Tua might make his way up there given how he looked yesterday. But yeah, I think it's fair to put him at four right now. And Justin Herbert, yeah, he's an exciting quarterback to watch. I, I don't blame you putting him over Joe Burrow, especially with how, you know, exciting these Chargers games have been week after week. Justin Herbert is getting his fair share of close games and I don't know if that's just the Charger way or if he's just gonna get really acclimated to this and then he's gonna actually have a full season next year and be like, Wait, where are all the crazy games at? <laughs> like well, these are this is weird. This is way too comfortable.
0: Yeah, so that's that's mainly a reason I put Justin Berber Justin Herbert above Burrow because I think he's I don't know, he's made some more exciting plays and he's been in mm-hmm. games that have been uh more fun to watch mm-hmm. at the end. But Kyler Murray is just is electric. Ridiculous, yeah. And but yesterday that that game was incredibly fun. I mean, two quarterbacks that I am very excited to watch for a very long time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, it was it was interesting because both of them were on their A game, and they were on their A game in the way they love how to do it. Kyler Murray, I mean, look at it. He he was he, he nearly flawless. He had a quarterback rating of 150. He had 200. He had five incompletions, three touchdowns, no picks, and then he had 106 rushing yards and a touchdown to rush to boot. Like, oh my goodness! Like that's that is as flawless of a performance as you could get. And then on the other side, Tua had eight incompletions and had two touchdowns and his team won the football game. And he had a glorious 92-ish yard drive at the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter to give his team or to tie the game up. And he looked great. He escaped the pocket on several plays. He made some plays on his feet. He had 35 yards on his own uh, on the ground. Obviously, that's not Kyler Murray numbers, but I mean, who can get that other than Kyler Murray? And... I mean, damn, that was, that was a lot of fun. And he was sharp. He was poised. I mean, we said that we were wanting to see if Tua could have a breakout game this season. I mean, look no further. You've got it. The Dolphins won. Tua looked great. Either team could have won this game. And who we? Uh, when we talk about the AFC opening up, this is what I'm talking about right here. Uh, you got you to throw the Dolphins into this, t- this discussion now. Like, I know that we've, for the past two weeks, kind of thought, "Mm, Miami, like, they could be, maybe they're in a conversation, you know? like If they continue to play well, I think now you've got to put them in that. I mean, the record says it. The record's been there. And now they've had some big wins week after week. They dominated the Rams. And then they were able to put it together and beat the Cardinals. And they smashed the 49ers a couple weeks ago. This is a team and they are good defensively, and they are good on special teams too that don't overestimate or underestimate that position group as well because they almost forced a fumble on a kick return against Arizona in the game yesterday. These guys – that special teams unit is out to make plays, and boy, are they fun to watch. Both of these teams are exciting, and they combine together in the perfect way. It was a fantastic game. It was a great game, and –
0: I hope we get to see Kyler Murray and Tua Tagovailoa go against each other a lot
1: in the future. We have to wait four more years for it, unless <laughs> they meet in the Super Bowl. Well,
0: <laughs> I, I just hope there's some scheduling things that work out where we get to see them go head to head a lot because obviously <laughs> they're in different uh, conferences. But I, I'm hoping for there to be a uh, rivalry of sorts. But yeah, in their divisions, if you had to say the Cardinals or the Dolphins, and I don't think I would pick either to win their division, but if you had to pick one of them, who do you who do you think you would lean on? Do you think you would lean on the Dolphins to win theirs or the Cardinals?
1: Well, let me very quickly take a glance at their schedule because I think that's the bigger indicator here. The Cardinals, hmm, I don't know. They might have a good chance. I think. Oh, okay. I think the Dolphins have the better chance. I think Miami has. uh, I mean, they're. One ish game behind the Bills. They're five and three. The Bills are seven and two. So there's a one more loss, and the Bills still need to have their bye. Meanwhile, the Cardinals are also one game behind the Seahawks, five and three, six and two, and they do have a win over Seattle at this point. I mean, it's tough. I I think Seattle. I trust Seattle more than I trust the Bills, even though the Bills just beat Seattle. Um, <laughs> I think that Miami right now, they are playing some good football. And I think they could beat anyone they're matched up against right now. I don't, I'm not saying I'd expect them to beat anyone in the NFL, but I think they're capable of beating anyone in the NFL right now. And the Cardinals are kind of the same way, but not to the extent Miami is right at this moment. And Tua Tagovailoa is exciting. He is playing sharp. They, you know, they prepped him up for this. It's almost like this was part of the plan all along, even though I, I know it couldn't have been, because if they knew Tua was going to be this good, they would have started him from week one. They needed to wait and wait for the things to click, you know? And it happened. And Miami is playing, I mean, I already said exciting, but I feel like that's the best word to describe their brand of football right now. It's just so flashy, and there's so many plays being made by so many players, and none of them with names that you recognize except for Tua Tagovailoa. It, It's 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 a lot of fun to watch them right now. And I'm going to keep peeking on them and paying attention to their games week after week. They have a game against the chargers this next, uh, upcoming week. And I mean, we know how the chargers games have been. So that it's a recipe for another absolute banger <laughs> to, to put it into uh, soccer terms, uh, coming up this next weekend. I think when you're looking
0: at both divisions, I, I, I think I agree with you with thinking that the Dolphins have a little bit better of a chance. Possibly the the Bills are are kind of an up and down team for me compared to the Seahawks. Even though we, we'll get to that later, they had a pretty pretty down week. But I, I think I got to go Dolphins. I trust them. I I guess it could be some recency bias, but I love that defense and I and that Cardinals. I I think. Is actually a little bit of a less complete team. I don't think either team is complete, mm-hmm. but I edged the overall team to the Dolphins over the Cardinals. But another game that we thought on the first Moose Live show that definitely would be a blowout uh, was the the Panthers Chiefs game, and it was it was it was pretty close. I mean, the the Panthers led for a good amount of the year, and we did our mid-season NFL awards last week Mark and we named some coaches of the years off could does Matt Rule deserve to be in the conversation whatsoever I mean I don't think he'll win it but like does he deserve like is there a case to argue that he could you know be knocking on the door a little bit
1: you know unfortunately the precedent of coach of the year almost seems like it's a playoff team that's going to get the award and I don't expect the Panthers to make the playoffs. So I don't expect them to win it. And I don't expect many people to talk about him. But we could talk about him. And we can acknowledge the fact that this Panthers team is in such a better place because they hired Matt Rule. And because Matt Rule came in and made the adjustments and fixes and made the schemes he did. I think we're starting to learn that, and this sounds really strange, but the Chiefs struggle with just solid teams because think about it they lost to the raiders this season they they don't it's not teams with playmakers that make the chiefs struggle it's teams where every player just does their part and minimizes explosiveness i think that's really what slows the chiefs down because think they lost to the colts last year too on sunday night football and that was not an explosive colts team in any capacity and the colts just kind of ran the ball out on them slowed down the chiefs on offense I think this Chiefs team doesn't do well with teams that instead of trying to play completely locked down Patrick Mahomes, they try to play mitigate Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's what the Raiders and the Panthers have done this season. I think Matt Rule noticed that and schemed his team to to make that work. And I think that's a little bit of a recipe there for taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Granted, Kansas City made some uh, mistakes in this game. Mahomes wasn't quite on his game for the entire 60 minutes. And with that in mind, though, I think a better football team wins this game against Kansas City yesterday. And the, the Panthers were not that. But the Panthers were almost that. They, they were competing. They were there. If they had a little more talent, they could have. And there are other teams who I think could follow that blueprint and do it. But uh, to, to tie it all the way back around to Matt Rule, genius of him to be able to pull this off, given what he's got at his disposal on this roster excellent performance. I believe he should be in the coach of the year conversation. I don't think he will be given the fact that they are 3 and 6 and well out of the reach of a playoff spot. But what he's done this year cannot be overlooked. And it's kind of like what Brian Flores did last year, but in less drastic manner than Brian Flores and he's but he's doing it a little bit faster too.
0: I got two things to touch on with what you're saying. I think on the on the Chiefs side, you kind of in a way have to decide what big plays you're going to give up to them because you're not going to stop mm-hmm. every big play so you got to give up some and use the word mitigate and I think that is probably the the best way to play them is kind of you're not you're going to stop their offense they're, go, they're going to right. score there, there's nothing you can really do but you can sort of slow them down and win a couple of possessions here and there against them but then on the Matt rule side I do believe he deserves a little bit more discussion I don't think he'll win it because he, he won't be a playoff team like you're saying and that's just a difficult thing for a coach to do. And, I mean, I don't think the the Panthers have enough behind them, a big enough fan base to rally, to get a narrative behind a coach like that. But also Joe Brady, offensive coordinator. Has yeah. As things keep on throwing out there that he could be a head coach very quickly. And I agree. I think this man is, is going to be a head coach. He's going to be getting calls. And I think we're going to see rumors immediately this offseason, to be honest with you.
1: I think Matt Rule would be really upset about that one. He gets to the NFL and he has his guy for his offensive coordinator and to see him leave after year one when he's just trying to get his feet on the ground would be really heartbreaking, but I think you're right because you look at the talent that's on this Panthers team on this offense in particular. You got Christian McCaffrey, but he hasn't been playing with McCaffrey Mm -hmm. for the most part, and Mm -hmm. they've made them work on offense. They've made Robbie Anderson. They've made DJ Moore. They've made uh, other guy, they've made Mike Davis really mm-hmm. efficient and really effective, and so kudos to Joe Brady on that. I think you really hit the nail on the head there. If it's not this off season, it will be soon that Joe Brady will be getting some calls uh, as far as head coaching vacancies are concerned, and I think rightfully so.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be pretty quick, and it's definitely going to hurt Matt Rule's uh, <laughs> yeah. not head coaching abilities, but. I mean, he found the right guy there, and you hope you get to say keep him. But most likely, there will be openings in the NFL. There's always openings, but before we had to break. Uh, the Chiefs is are they? I guess the the NFC. We said there's four teams that can win. But are we still thinking that it's Chiefs Steelers, or do you think it's a little bit more wide open? We said it felt a little bit more wide open, not as drastic as the NFC earlier. But do you think it's beyond two teams really? Do you think we could throw another name in there, or is it really Chiefs Steelers at this point?
1: I think the AFC is wide open. The tier below, I think, up top it's still Chiefs and number one, Steelers and number two, and you would think maybe. The scare yesterday would have put a dent into the Chiefs' name. But the Cowboys also put a scare on the Steelers. So and I think that's worse than the Panthers. So I think Chiefs are still kings in the AFC as it stands. And I'm I'm still confident in a Chiefs Super Bowl run right now. But that could change. And as we're watching this NFL season unfurl, we can't really be confident about really anything just yet because Things are getting really spicy (laughs) right now in the NFL with some of these matchups and teams are, are showing some weaknesses that were looking pretty clean up to this point, or they're showing weaknesses that are costing them games more like, because we knew the Seahawks defense was not great, but now we're really starting to see it come to fruition. And I think we could see the chiefs uh, flounder a bit. And I think we'll see the Steelers flounder a bit as well. They floundered yesterday. I'm going to say that. And I think that things, these are the weeks you want to pay attention to. If you haven't been paying too close attention to the NFL this season and you're trying to get your way back into it, I can understand if you've been struggling to get into it. COVID-19 has done a lot of things to a lot of us and it's caused us to not function the same way we used to. But now is the time to start getting into the NFL because things are getting, things are getting really good right now. And, on the Chiefs side of things, I think they might be my only
0: team that I, I feel like can win games kind of casually and uh, struggle mm-hmm. and show some flaws but still pull through. Because there's a lot of teams I think will show flaws and they'll lose the games where the Chiefs yeah. are able to, to pull them off right now. Obviously, the, the Steelers the – Patrick Mahomes
1: effect right there. <laughs> the
0: the Steelers showed some flaws yesterday, but it, the Cowboys are just that bad where they should be able to to pull that through. But we can take a quick break and we'll be right back. Have you ever wondered why everyone, and their mother seems like they have a podcast today? Well, it's probably because there's over a million podcasts a day alone and it continues to grow every single day. And you've probably wondered, how do I start a podcast? And you've probably thought it's too expensive. I don't have the equipment. It'll be too difficult. I just can't do it. Well Let me tell you, you're wrong. There's a platform called Anchor, and it's the simplest way to make a podcast. And I did some light background research for you. First off, it's free. There's creations tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. That's A N C H O R.fm to get started. And we are back. First and Moose, Connor Taylor, Mark Schoenster, Seahawks, Bills, Mark Russell Wilson. You know, can't save a team that isn't in a 50-50 game. And, you know, a lot of things we've, we've talked about that and that he, that he wins a lot of those games. I know the game yesterday was he had a bad game. It, it wasn't a good game by Russell Wilson by any, by any means. But the thing is that we've known that the defense is bad, but, but Russ Wilson can, can rescue the defense, but that defense cannot rescue him. There's, I don't think we're going to see a game where Russell Wilson needs help and that defense is going to come up clutch. I mean, I guess we saw it, you could argue, earlier this year where they stopped Cam Newton at the goal line, but I, don't, I think I would give that win more over to Russell than, than the defense. Um, and I think we're just learning that that defense is going to be the Seahawks kryptonite. That's the reason they're going to lose a game in the playoffs and, I mean, it's just, it's just a flat-out bad defense. It's, the pass defense is not good whatsoever. I mean, seven out of the eight Bills players who caught a pass had a play where they gained 20 or more yards yesterday. Um, the Bills ran 24 plays and just one – 24 pass plays and just one run play in the first 28 minutes, so – they basically say, hey, this is how we're going to attack you. We're going to attack you through the air. We believe this is the way we can beat you. And that's, I think, really scary for the Seahawks because I was trying to think we've talked about the one seed mattering a lot this year because the, the changing of the, the playoff format a little bit going to seven teams. And I think I decided that the Seahawks honestly – might need the 1C the most. I think the Buccaneers might be a close second, but I believe the Seahawks are a team that needs that home field advantage the most out of the NFC Mm -hmm. Uh, because that defense might have a decent chance of playing okay at home, but I don't think they're going to play okay on the road, and offenses Mm -hmm. tend to struggle more on the road. Obviously, it's different this year with lack of fans in some stadiums, But if if they go to a stadium with more fans, with a little bit more ruckus by who knows what January really looks like, not predicting anything. And I think the offense, you know, tends not to travel as well. That's happened. Tons defenses travel. And that defense honestly can't travel. I don't think it can be good at home. So I think they need home field advantage. And on the Seahawks side a little bit more, we've known DK Metcalf is a beast. I mean – I feel like everyone should know that by now. If you don't, you just – you need to go watch a game with him. He, he's going to show <laughs> out. I, you you got to love this man. I mean, this, this man I think is going to be one of the better wide receivers. I think he is right now, but I think maybe after this year he'll start getting in that top five discussion maybe sometime next year. I don't think he's there yet, but I think he will start being in that discussion. I think he's still seen as kind of like just an athletic dude. But I think eventually we'll, we'll see him lean towards that way. But I, I, I learned more from the Seahawks because I thought the Seahawks couldn't lose to just anyone. But now I definitely think the Seahawks can lose to anyone, specifically playoff teams. I think they can lose to anyone in the playoff field. And that's kind of how I felt about the Bills. They can lose to anyone and beat anyone. But I think they're, they're kind of similar teams where they can, they can lose but also win and be very dominant. Um, and then the Bills' defense – was a little bit better, but not nothing great. I mean, the Bills offense still wouldn't need it 35 points at least to win. So that's nothing saying anything too great by that. But they they looked a notch better, a little bit more. I mean they got turnovers, but they still gave up a lot of a lot of points. But yeah, overall just more takeaways from the Seahawks and it's it's looking it's another reason why we were saying that the NFC opened up more because the Seahawks struggled and I don't think I learned too much more from the Bills in all honesty because this is the team they're up and down team but now I think the Seahawks are up and down team as well
1: yeah I think the big thing with the Seahawks is we talked about those four real NFC contenders I think the Seahawks have the most to be concerned about because I think the Packers run defense is a glaring flaw in them the Buccaneers I think a big issue for them is i don't think they can rely on their running game and i don't know if this team can play from behind too well and for the saints i mean we need to see it for more than one game but outside of that they've been a little flat they haven't been able to really put together a complete game until yesterday and then but then you have the seahawks where it seems like their defense in particular like you said their past defense is never going to win them a football game I believe Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and New Orleans can win games despite their flaws. I feel like the moment Russell Wilson is off, they lose. That's going to hurt them in the playoffs. I think I'm the least confident in them out of those four playoff teams uh, when it comes to playoff time. I know it's uh, an overused phrase, and I know it's cheesy and it's cliche, but defense wins championships that's just kind of a proven motto, even in the era of offense, having a defense that steps up is critical, even for this, for the chiefs offense last year, when they made their run, those comebacks don't happen. If that defense doesn't step up and stop the opposing team's offense and give the ball right back to Patrick Mahomes. So, and then the 49ers last year, I mean, they dominated on defense and tore through the NFC to get to the playoff. to the super bowl. so, you need to have a defense that can make plays. And right now, the Seahawks are just not there. Maybe Pete Carroll can pull something out of his hat come playoff time. But right now, I, I'd say that that's a heavily concerning thing about Seattle is that the moment Russell Wilson makes a mistake, they're not there to cover for him at all. No, yeah, that
0: defense is – I don't see them winning a game. And I think – I mean, I don't like the Packers' defense, and obviously – I might be a little bit more critical of them than other defenses since I watch them every yeah. week. But at least the thing that scares me about that, where the weakness is for the Seahawks, it's pretty much everywhere on the defense, but the Packers is the run defense. And if the Packers can get like a lead, the other team has to pass the ball. Yeah. So you can the, cover it up. Yeah. You can cover it up. But the Seahawks, their biggest weakness out of many weaknesses is their pass defense and they're going to be in pass-heavy games uh, because they're, they're, they're playing in shootouts, basically.
1: Yeah, that's what you, the observation you pointed out that's really huge is the fact that the Bills came out of the gate just throwing the ball. I think that's huge because most of the time you want to run the ball, establish a pattern, and then once you have a lead like the Bills did this entire game, you want to run the ball to run off the clock, but the Bills opted to take the harder route and pass the ball because they knew it would work. And that's huge. That's big, and I mean we're talking about these other NFC contenders: Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Aaron Rodgers. I'll be happy to throw the ball against the Seahawks all day.
0: All better than Josh Allen,
1: too. Yeah.
0: So I, the Seahawks got things to worry about. We knew that, and but I think it uh was was the spotlight was on it yesterday, and we're gonna we have to look at that more and more. And if it can be patched up, uh we can see them being a a team that can maybe take a leap. But right now I I agree with you, Mark. You said out of those four teams we talked about, I were more, you're more worried about them. And I am as well. The bears Titans. I'm starting to feel good because the bears are the team. I kind of more expect it to be honest with you. Uh, They're, they're doing okay. They're on a, they're on a bad skid, but should, should bears team, should bears fans be worried about this bears team?
1: Yeah. You're you're looking at a Bears defense that looks like it's gonna be wasted by this offense. Don't look at the stats for this game. Patrick or Patrick Nick Foles had three hundred yards, two touchdowns, no picks. That's not what happened in this game. That's garbage time. They didn't score any points till the fourth quarter. By that time, it felt like the game was already over, and so this bears offense is in desperate need of something. And I don't think they're going to find it in any of these quarterbacks. And it's not like they don't have playmakers on their offense. Allen Robinson's pretty good. I'd say Anthony Miller and Darnell Mooney are both pretty good wide receivers. And I don't know. David Montgomery seems to be a pretty flat running back. So that's unfortunate for them, but they just, they don't have it. And I think if you're a bears fan, you know, you've lost three straight games and I think more to come because yeah, you can make every game ugly, but you still have to put points on the board in ugly games. These games aren't gonna be zero zero the entire time. And so I think teams are starting to figure out ways they can scratch points out of the Bears. It's not gonna be fun. It's it's gonna be a brutal game. And the Titans were aware of that and they made it work, and even though it was brutal. It was effective, and they won comfortably. I think Chicago has a lot to be worried about right now as far as even being in the playoffs this season.
0: And that pass offense, not scared whatsoever of it. And I think the thing is, you would hope there's a run game, but the Bears have only had three games this year where the team as a whole rushed over 100 yards out of the nine games they've played, Mm
1: -hmm. and they
0: haven't had a rusher that's rushed over 100 yards. They, They just haven't had a dominant run game whatsoever they haven't been able to establish it and I think uh, Nick Foles is a quarterback that needs a run game he's not a top tier quarterback where you can just lean on him to be able to pass it he has a he has pretty good wide outside like Allen Robinson I, I feel bad for him I think if he was in better situations he would probably be talked about more but he, he's just not and I mean it's just it doesn't look good right now and they were winning ugly, but now that the tides kind of turned and now they're, they're losing ugly here. But mm-hmm. on that Titan side, they signed Jadevin Clowney this offseason and he has not recorded a sack thus far. Is is that something to worry about? I mean, you're I believe it's twelve to fourteen million this year. It's it's a lot for not recording a sack. I need to look yeah. at the exact numbers, but they're, they're overpaying him with his production as of right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, he didn't record anything yesterday. Not a, not a tackle, uh, not a quarterback hit, n- nothing. And this guy is just – I mean, Vic Beasley and Jadavian Clowney have been absolute whiffs by this uh, Titans front office. And really – if those two had panned out, I think this team really would be in that uh, top-tier conversation in the AFC. But the, their invisible, their invisibility has been the reason this Titans team has fallen from being a, a top NF- AFC team to being a team that's going to have to compete really hard to win their division. And that – it's just – the defense would
0: catapult them to being a top tier team and it's not there. And I thought Jadavian Clowney would be able to possibly get them a good pass rush and, and elevate it, but it, it's not happening right now. And I think the the bears are a team that you should be able to have a decent pass rush. Jadavian Clowney should be able to step up. And it'll be interesting to see if he's able to come in clutch anytime down the stretch. But as of right now, it's looking like a pretty bad miss thus far. Uh, but Chargers, Raiders, and I kind of – I don't know if I feel bad for Justin Herbert, but, I mean, he just can't stop the Chargers from being the Chargers right now. They're, they're still going to find ways to blow games.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tragic, isn't it? And this time he was this close. He was this close to it working <laughs> because this time he had the ball at the end of the game. It was his turn to, to turn it on. Derek Carr and the Raiders, and it it was just inches shy of of being that he made the plays, and it, I think Justin Herbert did everything he needed to do to win this game. I think he's learning the harsh reality right now of what it means to be a Los Angeles Charger, and I think that he'll win. The wins will come eventually, and what Anthony Lynn and what the other coordinators need to do is ensure him of that. Is that the way he's playing? is not the problem, and that, I mean, yeah, there going to be some tweaks you can make, but the wins will come if you keep playing like this. The, the rest of the team just needs to catch up, which is crazy to think about being asked up by a quarterback that wasn't even starting at the beginning of the season and is also, uh, if we forgot, a rookie, and is not playing like one right now and uh, so kudos to him. Uh, I do feel for him. <laughs> this, is, this is pretty brutal. These these last few games have been quite the harsh stretch for Chargers fans everywhere. Yeah, it's been a harsh stretch,
0: and I think that teams, I mean, I fans, I don't know if you think it's going to get any better. I, I don't see it getting better this year, at least, mm-hmm. but on the raiders side of things obviously they they need this win they're in they're in the playoffs as of right now but honestly i'm not that confident that they're going to make the playoffs they they set the 6 seed and you've got them at 5 and 3 dolphins 5 and 3 browns 5 and 3 and colts 5 and 3 but i would at this point i'm more confident in the colts and dolphins getting in over the raiders would would you agree with me or do you think the raiders should be leaning on more confidence that they're not in the driver's seat, but they are ahead at the moment.
1: Yeah, they have a rough schedule. Uh, the Raiders, we, I think we talked about this two weeks ago, or maybe it was just last week because it was after the Browns game. Mm-hmm. The Raiders, they don't have it easy. They don't really have too many games that are handed to them. And now you've got the Dolphins that are in here. You've got a crucial game with the Colts in December. That's going to be huge. And I just think you drop some of these games in here. I don't think you can put it on week after week, especially if it looks like this, where you were a smidge, a hair away from losing. I, Out of all those teams, I think they have the worst chance, even though they're in the driver's seat right now, given the way Miami's playing. And I, I don't know. I think that game against Indianapolis in December is going to be a big deal. And, could end up being what puts one of those teams in the playoffs i i like the raiders
0: and i i kind of actually cheer for gruden somewhat i think he's mm-hmm. a, a fun coach to watch he's one of the the coaches that i kind of just in, just enjoy watching his not shen- shenanigans but just his personality on the sideline doing doing weird stuff reacting to weird stuff and I, I think he's fun to watch so i i, I kind of would hope he would get into the playoffs, but I honestly would, I mean, out of those four teams we're talking about, I want Tua in the playoffs. I think he's yeah. – a, a, I mean, I'm cheering for the Dolphins because Tua in the playoffs is exciting, mm-hmm. and if he ends up being the, the seventh spot, I'm happy we added that seventh spot, to be honest with you, because at first I was like, I don't know if I love it, but if it means we get Tua, I'm okay with mm-hmm.
1: it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that would mean Tua against, like, either the Chiefs, the Steelers, or Ravens, I would imagine. Which, which would be but, fun.
0: They won't be fair to win, but I think Tua will possibly put some, some fun into that game. Mm-hmm. Steelers-Cowboys, any, anything to worry about? Or is it that one of these games where they, they just stink and they move on from here? Or are we, are we expecting them to continue to stink for a little bit here against some teams that they just aren't, they don't care about playing?
1: Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see because I don't really know how to feel about this game except for the fact that maybe Garrett Gilbert is the guy that the Cowboys can count on to win them the division. He looks good. Think about it. He had to play against a Steelers defense that have rattled much more experienced quarterbacks. Maybe this division race is not quite over yet in the NFC East after we said the football team's out if they lose to the Giants, they lost to the Giants, which really leaves the Cowboys, I think, to compete with the Eagles. I don't think it'll happen maybe he'll fall back down to earth next week. And really it was just a matter of uh, a lack of care um, on the Steelers defense part. But I mean, if this if there was one or two big plays taken out of this game, the Cowboys win it and Steelers should be concerned about that. And I think they'll fix it, but they'll still have lapses like this. And I think we should expect the Steelers to have lapses in their performance every now and then, because I mean, if you let a team like the Cowboys compete with you, that's not something an 8-0 and no team should be letting happen.
0: No, it seems like they're ready to, to drop a game. It seems like we're getting close where they, they lose here. And it will be dependent if it's against a bad team that we don't expect or if it's against a competitive game where they just didn't, didn't come prepared, which mm-hmm. I know Mike Tomlin, I don't, I don't know the exact uh, number of continual seasons he's had a winning season. Like He's a really good coach. But honestly, I feel like one of his flaws is that I don't honestly feel like the Steelers always come prepared week in and week out, to be honest with you. I think Mm -hmm. they they lose games. They always shouldn't. But the Giants-Washington football team, Alex Smith came back in and actually played for a little bit. Obviously, it's due to a uh, pretty gruesome injury to Kyle Allen and not something you want to see whatsoever. But... I guess the only positive thing you you could think of coming from that is we get to see Alex Smith and if he's Mm -hmm. playing, does that mean he get, does that mean like he has a really good shot at comeback player of the year? Because him just playing, does that make him that player?
1: I mean, in a year like this, I say so, especially if he continues to play, if they don't put Dwayne Haskins back in for whatever reason throughout the season, if he keeps playing, if the Washington football team make the playoffs, definitely. If not, If he keeps playing, I still feel like you got to give it to him because it's a year where no other player has come back and really been a huge impact on their team except for Ben Roethlisberger, and he really hasn't been the reason they've been winning football games. I worry, though, if the Steelers get the one seed that they're just going to give it to Ben Roethlisberger by proxy and won't even consider alex smith because if if he comes in and continues to play football like i think that that's comeback right there you know
0: i agree with you mark i i think if he as long as he's playing and it'll be dependent on how well the steelers do but i think as long as he's playing that the narrative will will favor alex smith Mm -hmm. for sure because it's just it's a it's a feel-good story in in a year where you where you need a feel-good story yeah and Talking about two teams that won here yesterday was Texans and Falcons, and obviously they're both in rebuild. But we have touched on this earlier this year. But where where are you leaning on? Of if you're a coach, where where would you go? Would you go to the Texans? Would you go to the Falcons? Or is is there one that's a little bit more exciting for you?
1: I think you want to go with the younger, talented guy in Deshaun Watson. I think that's if you're uh, if you're Joe Brady and you're looking for a job <laughs> it come this next season I think you want to go to Houston I know I talked about the Falcons in the past and how I preferred them but Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks have really come into their own and I think that you can do some work and you have a you have a long future ahead of you with Deshaun Watson Whereas with the Falcons, I feel like it's a ticking clock before it all explodes. So if you want to start from square one, I guess you can go ahead and go to Atlanta. But I mean, can you really pass up the opportunity to coach Deshaun Watson at this point in his career? I I don't think so.
0: I think it it would be really really funny if not funny, but Joe Brady to the to the Texans. I actually could see going. I know you threw that out. was just throwing it out there, but I think there's. Mm-hmm it just seems good, like so good likely there's a traction
1: there there's yeah. a good traction there
0: yeah i'll throw it out now <laughs> yeah you you could you can claim it if it happens 3 4 months from now mark you can be like i i said it back in november so mm-hmm. but uh yesterday we uh we mentioned some things about how many teams could win the the awful nfc east uh, about the the worst teams overall but i honestly think the Eagles besides the chiefs here have the best chance of winning their division compared to other divisions. When I, when I went back and looked through them, I mean, other divisions are competitive and the the Eagles just have a, I mean, they just need to win a couple more games and they're in.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I I read a stat today that the Eagles have a better chance of winning their division right now than the Pittsburgh Steelers who are eight now. So like the odds are in the Eagles favor there and I mean, I think you're right because you look at every other division and each division has a competitor. The mm-hmm. Bills have the Dolphins. The Titans and Colts are almost neck and neck. The Seahawks have the Cardinals and the Rams. The yeah. the Chiefs have – the. I think the Chiefs, I think, are the most comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think the Raiders are going to pass them. And then the Saints and Bucks, and the Packers have – uh, the Packers, I think, have a decent chance the bears starting to fall off and then and then you have the Eagles where you have to you have to argue your way into one of those other teams, even being competitive against them. I think this is the Eagles division to lose, and I think you're right. I think maybe the Chiefs have better odds than than the Eagles in my opinion, but i I mean I'm pretty confident the Eagles are going to be in the playoffs this year and will lose to whatever whatever five seed uh is lucky enough to play them. Yeah, that that five seed is, is gonna be a coveted
0: spot to play against the Eagles. But it Tampa it's Bay inter- rejoices.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, all right, you lose your division, but you you go against the Eagles because it's like I feel like you might rather play them than the six or seven seed. We'll have to see where mm-hmm. those teams are, but there there's a good shot you'd rather play the Eagles even oh, traveling. Yeah. Even on the road, yeah. Yeah. But that's going to wrap it up for this week's reaction of the NFL. And hopefully we continue to have some really fun Sunday night football games. This week wasn't, so maybe we'll get a rebound. We talked about how it was, you know, we felt like we finally got a good matchup. We, we left the NFC East and then it turned out to be a dud. So hopefully we'll, we'll rebound there. But if you're listening on the air, 10 to 11, On U90 to the Moose on 91.7 FM. Thanks for listening or on any podcast platform. Thank you for listening as well. This has been First and Moose.